Today's podcast is brought to you by It's All Your Fault, a new podcast from the scene about the Nashville Predators. The show features David Beauclair and Megan Sealing talking about all things Preds. Beauclair's covered the team for two decades, which gives him as much perspective on the franchise as anyone in Nashville. Sealing was a Predators fan before even moving to Nashville five years ago, keeps a small shrine to Victor Arvidsson on her desk, and is personal friends with Peter Laviolette's turtle. This may or may not be true. With one insider and one outsider and, an out- and a range of guests, they'll follow the team's quest to return to the Stanley Cup Finals. You can subscribe to It's All Your Fault on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn today. Coming to you from the ugliest building in the Gulch, it's the Nashville Scenecast. I'm Scene Managing Editor D. Patrick Rogers. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or TuneIn, and don't forget to rate us and leave us a comment. We want to say thanks to Jeff the Brotherhood for our theme music. That's Diamond Way from the album We Are the Champions. You can pick that up wherever good music is sold. Today, we talked to longtime Nashvilleian and country singer Margot Price. She's been playing out a long time, both with her old band Buffalo Clover and solo. But with last year's solo debut, Midwest Farmer's Daughter, she stepped into the national spotlight. She's just released her follow-up, All American Made, which is out now via Third Man Records. Today we'll talk to her about that and more on The Scenecast. All right, Margo, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Here in Scene Headquarters. First of all, I want to say... Congrats. I don't know if you saw, but you did win our readers poll in the best of Nashville. I just found out. For actually. best country artist. Thank you. Um, which, I mean, you beat out Isbell and Stapleton one second and Keith Urban one third. So you're number one country artist in Nashville, Nashville readers. I mean, I, I was so, I was really surprised to yeah. read that. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. We, I was sitting at uh, breakfast with my mom and my son and my husband, and my mom was like, look. Did you see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she grabbed like five coffees. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. I'm glad. Um, and, that's, and you didn't even, you haven't even put out your record this year yet. So, I mean, I know. I'm a, nowhere to go but up, right? Yeah. What um, did I do? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I wanted to talk, get into your new record, All American Made, comes out the 20th. Um, even though you're far from a first timer when you put out your last record, um, it was your first as a solo artist, right? I mean, that was the first one just as Margot Price. Yeah. So, did it that sort of felt like an introduction sort of this is where i'm from this is who i am midwest farmer's daughter this one on the other hand all american made are you trying to make a different statement now that you've sort of established who you are and what your background is what are you trying to say with your second record yeah i definitely felt like you know i explored a lot of me mm-hmm. in the first one cuz i'm self-centered uh <laughs> musician but um you know i touch on that a little bit in this in the second album, but it, the way I've been describing it is just, it's postcards from all over America. They're all different, you know, different types of American music. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I was kind of reflecting what I was seeing through the, the windshield during in the sprinter, um, for the majority of the year last year. And, um, yeah. I mean, you saw a lot of the country, obviously you'd done plenty of tours before, but it seemed like this was sort of 
like a high impact, a lot of touring, a lot covering a lot of ground in a pretty short period. Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, we were in a sprinter for the majority of it, not in a uh, a bus. So I have to give it up for the to the band for yeah. <laughs> sitting in the, those long long drives and late nights, and you know, in and out of hotels and motels and all that good tight stuff. tight quarters. But you didn't end up killing each other over it. Or anything. Yeah, actually, I was I was talking to. Uh, Marty Stewart, we were on the road in, in Florida, and uh, Kenny Vaughn introduced me to him, and he was in his trailer tuning all of his own guitars. Oh, of course. And uh, yeah, I was like, you don't have a guitar tech? He's like, nope, no one can do it right. These are <laughs> old guitars, you know, I have to do it. And uh, he said, man, y'all have been hitting the road a lot this past year. Um, do, y- do you hate each other yet? <laughs> you yeah. know, does everyone want to kill each other? And I said, no, you know, like our marriages are falling apart and we're all in bad health. But, uh, oh, but you know, the fun. band still loves each other. And he was like, he looked at me and he just got this little little smile in his eye. And he said, well, you wanted to be a star. Twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> <laughs> twinkle, twinkle. There it is. That's that's very Marty story. It was great. great. Um, so I thought, you know, an interesting part of you putting out your record last year is, you know, the way I understand it, you shopped that around a lot of places. Um and, you know, nobody would really hear it. And then Third Man kind of not only came along and put it out, but sort of let you do it how you wanted to do it and put a pretty big push behind it, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I wanted to ask, what's it like putting out that second record? You're still with Third Man for this one. But, you know, now that you kind of established that, what are you doing differently this time? You know, what's the experience like of doing your sophomore record with them? Well, um, you know, I got back into the studio it was in December. So mm-hmm. I had, I was, you know, just trying to write as much as I could. And it, some advice that, that Jack gave to Jeremy and I was, I know you're busy right now. I know you're on the road all the time, but take time to write. And so we just continued to, you know, write the songs as any time we could, we could find, we mm-hmm. would, you know, we would write. And then we went in and, and, and did the album and, it was just so nice to be able to take more time on it, take more care, um, you know, to not have to to worry about the budget or like the check bouncing after right. we, because we had sold our car, you know, to, to make the first one, and we and and a bunch of other stuff, and then when I, you know, I paid for the Airbnb, I paid all the musicians, I was just writing all these checks mm-hmm. out of the this you know small amount of money. It was about ten grand. And uh, then by the time I wrote my check to Sun, it bounced. Oh, <laughs> so then I had to go borrow some money, actually, from the owner of Two Boots Pizza. Oh, really? He just he said he's a music lover, and I have to give him a shout out for that. I actually thanked him on my record. What's his name? His name is Sam Boyer. He's uh, just a music lover, and you know I had helped produce this album um, with Dylan Whitlow. Oh, cool! From you know the bass player in the Blackfoot Gypsies, and. Mm-hmm. He was like, Sam's helping me record this solo record, and I'd like you to produce it. And I bet he's like, I bet if you if you need a little cash, so he I was short just a little bit, and and That's he gave awesome. it to me. But yeah, I, you know, it was just really great to not have to worry about the financial side of things and not have to worry about time limits. So, mm-hmm. you know, we did a ton of work in Memphis, and then we then we came back and um, and recorded more at Sound Emporium. Mm-hmm. And um, did a lot of over like the McRae sisters came in there, yeah. And we did um, a lot of the harmony work, a lot of the percussion and, and stuff in there. Cool, yeah. And it, it just seems like not having <laughs> that. 
I guess there's a benefit to sort of having the pressure of, oh, God, we don't know how this is getting out, don't know where it's going, so it's kind of like, it's all on the line, but it, definitely to have that freedom to sort of be like, okay, I don't have to think about the checkbook and the song. Right. You know? Well, and I, let, I knew that the songs were good. We'd been, like, playing them out, you know, before we recorded them and then until people started, you know, putting up YouTube videos and then, like, mm-hmm. The New Yorker did a review of mm-hmm. some of the songs, and I was like... I guess we have to put these away, but we'd kind of test, you know, tested some of them here and yeah. there. We'd play them. But, uh, yeah, I think my management, I think everybody else was, like, really scared. They, were, they kept talking about the second album, Curse, in the book. Oh, I was right, like, sure. That's sort I of was a... like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I've never heard that, so I'm not going to let that, like, mind fuck me. Yeah, Can exactly. I say mind fuck You can say, oh, here? yeah, I mean, we're, okay. it's the internet. You can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, the this, this second album, Curse, kind of feels like one of those sort of reverse engineered things that people try to make a story into it's like well you had a breakthrough on your first now you're screwed on your second it's like says who yeah and it was also a lot like of this what are you gonna write about now Mm -hmm. and i'm i was like well i you know the last album it was a a concept record about my you know my life and there's so many things to explore in this world besides just me right exactly (laughs) what are you gonna do talk about stuff now yeah and and everyone just assumes that like everything is perfect in my life now it's like you know the cinderella story people want to like hear like and how much has it changed i'm like no it's kind of it's different problems now Mm -hmm. you know um and not that things aren't great and that i'm happy but i mean there's always going to be stuff to write about yeah exactly if you're a songwriter yeah i'm like i will find something to be depressed about (laughs) don't you (laughs) don't don't you worry worry. i'll find that um so the song pay gap i want to talk to you about that song because First of all, like arrangement-wise, I just think it's like a super cool and fun song. I like sort of how the chorus shifts and everything. But obviously, you're saying something pretty clear with that. Um, pay gap, you do the math. You're ripping my dollars in half. I think is the line, and it's just awesome. Um, but you know, obviously, the pay gap is that something you've experienced firsthand? Yeah, I mean, I I don't get a look at you know all everything you know what I'm making compared to sure. what other. Um, male performers are making but I I know even just based on you know when you look at festival lineups like more men are getting the jobs than mm-hmm. than women and yeah I've been researching the pay gap for I mean it was like I didn't know about it in when I was in high school you, you mm-hmm. just don't I don't know it wasn't talked about and then I feel like I learned but you know that it was a real thing and it made me so angry and I just couldn't stop thinking about it until yeah. I wrote a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's not only women, it's minorities and it's it's just a huge problem in America. And um, President Obama had been making some steps to that would have made every employer report what they were paying, what the person's mm-hmm. gender, sex, age was, and, you know, so they could try to close the gap. And sure. that program has since been... Um, yeah booted and yeah. yeah I just think I think it's a I think it's a shame that it's yeah. <laughs> we live in this year and that's everything feels like we're reverted back to the yeah. 1950s and it's it's uh what's the expression sunlight is the best disinfectant just like clarity <laughs> nice. if 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 just if, if people know what men are making as compared to women as minorities compared to everyone else then at least we have the you know the information to say well we recognize the problem. We see what the difference is here. It's right. obviously egregious. Well, some people are like they they just say that it's a myth. They're like, oh, the pay gap's not real. They, yeah. You know, it, like I, I don't understand how you, you can right. look at the you yeah, can the, look at the facts. They're <laughs> exactly. there, but well, people just want to be blind. And... Alternative facts. That's the age we're in, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, 
on a cheerier note, you did, <laughs> you did. Uh, obviously, I want to talk about Willie Nelson. You did the song with Willie Nelson, Learning to Lose, yes. is the one you did with him. And obviously, you played some with him, got to spend time with him. I mean, I'm sure everybody's asking you what that experience was like, but what was that experience like? <laughs> he's the coolest. Yeah. He He's so down to earth, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing to see somebody with that kind of fame. Mm-hmm. You know, in his in the age that he's at, still he he wants to talk to everybody and meet everybody. He's so, um, you know, kind to his fans, and he'll just he'll stop and talk to anybody on his way. You know, he's walking from the bus, so they have to really like make sure he <laughs> doesn't right, stop on. and talk too long. Because he'll he will just talk that's to amazing. Anybody. I mean, somebody who's been in the spotlight for as long as he has, that he's not just like done with you know being approached yeah. or whatever. It's yeah, remarkable. a lot of people are, and mm-hmm. and he's still so approachable and. Yeah, I, the first time that I met him was, I believe it was at Farm Aid. I played with him at uh, the 4th of July picnic, but then didn't get to meet him that first time, and then did Farm Aid. This was a couple years ago. And went on there and sat down, and we started talking, and then uh, he's like, you want to smoke a joint? <laughs> His <laughs> eyes lit up, and I was I like, like yes. That's awesome. <laughs> so we sat in there, and then... Uh, I had a, a friend in there that works at Sirius XM. He works at Willie's Roadhouse and all that, and he mm-hmm. snapped a, a surprise photo. I didn't know that he was taking it, but Willie's looking right at the camera, and he just has this, like, shit-eating grin on his face. It's That's so amazing. good. Um, yeah, I mean, you hear the the iconic tales of smoking with Willie, but actually, I got I imagine that's got to be, like, the most surreal experience. Yeah. My husband came on there and smoked with us, too, and he doesn't really smoke that much. Oh, really? And so we, we smoked with Willie, and then they also had... This, the Willie's Reserve bus, which is his like strain of weed, so you can go on there and they have like bongs and different strains, like oh my God. anything you want, edibles and vape pens. And we were, I mean, it was a good thing that we'd already played because <laughs> we <laughs> couldn't really kid form in a candy s- shop yeah. kind of situation. <laughs> That's incredible. Having a hard time forming sentences. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you managed to reach a really wide audience with your first record. Obviously, I mean, you're, you ended up on late night shows and doing SNL and all that. Um, and, you know, it seems like part of the audience you're reaching is sort of the third man fans who follow what they do. Uh, part of it is people who are already familiar with you and all that. But also you kind of reach the country world at large and, you know, in, in a pretty big way. And, you know, that's obviously um, a world that for a long time has been kind of aligned with conservative ideals. And uh, you're outspoken. You're an outspoken artist. You never really shy away from expressing yourself. So I wanted to ask, have you found yourself at odds at times with the more conservative elements of that mainstream country world? Yeah, you know, it's always kind of funny going in between playing shows with people that are more, um, you know, probably conservative and um, and just mainstream and then going and playing like festivals with indie bands. And, right. Uh, I just kind of try not to, to think about it. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I still do feel... Like I'm outside of a lot of circles, mm-hmm. you know. There's like, I, I I feel, you know, I do feel some, um, what's the word? Just just coldness from you know certain organizations or or maybe from people that feel threatened by what I do. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just try to kill them with kindness. And, there you go. And let it, right <laughs> let it roll it. off my back. You yeah. Know? Um, but I think it's good to still have some of that. You know, like mm-hmm. be. You know, when I was singing This Town Gets Around and, and talking about how, you know, managers had been crooked and, and and whatever, people had screwed me over. And then that song kind of had new meaning again when I got 
best role, uh, best uh, country song of the year by Rolling Stone, but mm. then you know was totally snubbed by organizations that I don't want to advertise. <laughs> Certainly, yeah, yeah. Certain country music uh, <clears throat> organizations, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, they're all like three initials. And <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's strange. ASS, I, no. I mean, yeah. I I went to the Kid Rock Fish Fry last week. Oh to cover wow! That. Um, and that's interesting. You know, that's a deep dive into that world. You know, and that was yeah. I'm that's really frightening. It was it was something. I mean, he did his whole stump speech at the top of his set where he kind of ran through his political pr- platform, and you know. To hear to hear the reactions from the crowd and when he said things about you know respecting our flag and and you know LGBT rights or not so much it was just it's just strange that he, that's he kind was of preaching lesbian gay no he was it was a little bit more like uh, transgender people should go to the bathroom of whatever their sex was assigned at birth which is uh, you oh, know okay that's yeah I figured that was probably yeah the, the shittier end of the, the spectrum on that topic <laughs> um, and just kind of like a, why we always have to talk about gay stuff who cares and it's just sort of like. You know? Wow. And the rest of the show, you know, Gretchen Wilson played and other people. And it's just like, you know, I think these people are here to enjoy a show. And it's right. just, you know, but obviously it's it's in every element of culture now. Sort of that yeah. divide. The but there's one thing about kind of like singing about things and peppering it in here and there because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's culture affecting the music or whatever. But sure. if you're actually just sitting there at a podium. Literally it was Preaching a yeah. and, you know, and this fire and brimstone like mm-hmm. you've got to uh follow my opinion now that's not what this is about everyone in america is allowed to have their own opinion and that's what's beautiful right about yeah. America, you know it, it, yeah and it, it molding the art i mean obviously that's part of what art is for it's it's you know reacting to our circumstances it's making yeah. a piece of art based on what i see around me and i wouldn't exactly call his five minute uh lecture at people art he is now living out in uh you know white's creek mm-hmm. and um he had bought this piece of property that was called Cowboy Town. Uh-huh. They used to do shootouts and um, whatever. But Jeremy, my husband, and I both worked uh, for a catering company called Dream Come True. Oh, really? It was very much like party down kind of. <laughs> oh, you yeah, know? yeah. Like, great show. Really. But uh, we went out there and had to cater some of those events. And so it was Ooh. It was pretty crazy. It was, it was before he owned it. Oh, okay. I but see, then, yeah, when he kind of bought that out, I was like, man, I really wanted to move to White's Creek. <laughs> there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> so and we, we kind of just touched on this a little bit but the title track um you know it it sort of has the background noise of political rhetoric and it sounds like maybe if i'm hearing correctly it sounds like clinton bill clinton maybe giving one of his states of the union or something like that and, i mean obviously there's like a context for that song um is there something explicit you're trying to say with that or are you just kind of saying i mean things are heated now and well, and you know that song had been written at the as Buffalo Clover was dying. Oh, okay. It was kind of written in this like transitional period where I was doing both bands and you know trying to figure out where to go. But yeah, so that song was actually written during the Obama administration, mm-hmm. and you know it really did kind of take on new life with everything that's uh, that's been going on recently. But I wanted with the with all the noise clips and you know it was a lot. It was many different president's speeches. There mm-hmm. was Clinton. There was, it actually ends with Nixon. Okay. Um, Martin Luther King's in there. I have uh, Patti Smith oh, cool. giving a really cool speech at the top, Maya Angelou. But I just kind of wanted it to sound like the TV was on because mm-hmm. that's really American. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it kind of gives this, like, this faraway ambience. But it, I would definitely say it was inspired by Simon and Garfunkel, like the reading that 
you know, the news over the mm-hmm. children singing Silent Night. Right. Um, and, I'm, and I'm glad I left that in there because everyone was like, I don't know if you should have those those sound clips on there. It's kind of distracting. And I I liked the uh, the mood that it gave. It's like, you know, it's kind of comforting because it just sounds like white noise. Mm-hmm. But it's, there's you know, there's like a rumbling yeah. going on. And if you in focus there. in, you can hear little things. And yeah. As, as far as it being distracting, I mean... For me, anyway, that was kind of what it seemed like the point was. Right. It's like this is a constant whir of, you know, there's always like jokes and memes about like uh, the eight hours of the day that I don't look down at my phone and then it's suddenly shattered when I see the news alerts and everything. Yeah. So it felt like, well, this is just feels like what it's like to be alive in America in 2017. Yeah. So that was my takeaway. Yeah. I am. I'm happy with the way it turned out. We we decided we were going to do those sound clips and it was really late at night. We started you know, pulling up all these speeches online and, um, it was two in the morning. Mm -hmm. We were smoking a lot of pot at that point. And (laughs) and then we just decided it was, I was like, I'm going to cut it right now. Mm -hmm. And it was just me and Alex Munoz and Matt Rospang. We all, um, just stayed there through the, like through the middle of the night, kind of cutting it. And I was, and then, and then even after it got done, then I was like, ah, I want to put the clips on. I could, like, we could not leave. Yeah. We stayed up so late and then slept like three hours and came back in and, and worked more. Wow. But it was, re- it was just really fun to be able to piece all those things and say, oh, I want, you know, this, like Patty um, Smith had given this amazing speech at Newport. And mm-hmm. like, that's what it starts off. But it's like, in one side, there's like, almost like you can hear good and truth and, mm-hmm. and the light and the other side is kind of darker and oh you so know, you sort more. of panned them yeah I mean it goes back and oh, forth okay, and it you know cool. but I tried to have something <laughs> positive going on with something negative going True. on the whole time and did you have an idea when that one came along that that might be the uh, the title track or sort of the, an ethos behind the record or was it just this is what I want to do after after the songs started kind of coming together mm-hmm. we thought about it as a title we have this kind of superstition about titles being three words long like oh, really? almost everything i've put out has been three words um, interesting like our buffalo clover records were like low down time um and then obviously my best farmer's daughter mm-hmm. and then we've got yeah we've got a couple more things that aren't released that are all like three yeah <laughs> i mean hey if the formula works you yeah know. i don't know kind of super it was weird that we found third man and you know they're so oh yeah yeah that's i think yeah. that might be a little bit of a thing with jack Wayne. yeah yeah <laughs> jeremy's number has always been three mine has always been six and then, you know, together it's nine, but like in my driver's license, it's like six, six, six. It's just, oh, that number follows me around <laughs> everywhere. So I don't know. Well, I, I don't know what it, that means. I would have thought it'd be 420, perhaps. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> um, cool. Well, um, it's, and I was going to ask you, I had a note here, like just what's your favorite song on the record? Or is there one that sort of has a special place in your heart? Maybe not a favorite. Not everybody likes to pick a favorite, but one that sort of feels special to you. Would that be the one? Um, I mean, yeah, I love, I love the way that turned out. I, I'm really proud of the writing on that. Jeremy and I co-wrote it together mm-hmm. and it just, it hung on, you know, and it was, it's been really hard not to play it all the time throughout right. what's been going on. I did play it. Um, we happened to be in Washington, DC, um, on election day. Oh my. I was like, who did the, the routing for this? <laughs> yeah, They're going to pay. Yeah. <laughs> And um, so we performed it there, and then, you know, I performed it on Tiny Desk, too. But mm-hmm. I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, it, it's just important for people to hear those songs at the time. So I'm, I'm glad that we recorded it and that we did add 
the the other elements and and Alex's guitar. I love the tone that he got mm-hmm. on that. It's really haunting and. Um, but I also I really love um, Loner, which is a song that Jeremy wrote, and I really like the way that that recording turned out. It was it was pretty pristine. Cool for being live. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that one as well. Yeah, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. 